This is the Daily Thunder podcast, another recap edition after the Blazers get the win in Oklahoma City. I am joined by Brandon Rabar. Brandon, how are you, brother? I am good. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing well. Before we get to the game, please break down for me, someone who is not in Oklahoma, what the last 24 hours have been like as far as the weather goes. Dude, I have no idea. I haven't left my house in like five days. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, judging from looking out the window, uh, you know, I usually go to the Thunder Games, and there was, to the um, chagrin of many Thunder fans, a game in Oklahoma City tonight. Explain that for people that are for people that are not there. Explain why that was a thing. Yeah, so you know, Oklahoma is asking citizens to conserve their energy. You know, keep their heater at like 68 degrees and you know watch you know making sure you don't have lights on in every room that kind of thing just basic conserving energy type of things uh and then a game was taking place at the peak and of course it's a big building lights were going to be on it's going to have to be heated and all those things i understand both sides of the argument in it absolutely here's the deal though it was out of the thunder's hands i mean it wasn't their decision to make it's the nba's decision I think a lot of people were upset with with the team or with Oklahoma officials. It basically came down to the NBA. They're the ones that make the decision, and they decided to keep it going. I think part of that because Portland was already there. The game was already scheduled. If the teams are both within walking distance of the arena, you know, they're going to have them play the game. Uh, you know, the Thunder, I think, did the best they could with the bad situation. I know that they didn't turn the lights on and in like the walkway, and they conserved as much energy as they could and only used what they had to use. Uh, I didn't go to the game tonight. Like I said, I haven't left. Uh, it is crazy, though. Uh, I did actually walk outside for a little bit earlier just to check it out. I mean, it's nuts. I mean, it's like a – It's a different level of cold. Yeah, it's a different level of cold. The snow is just – I mean, it's like a Disney movie come to life. Like I thought, you know, I was going to see Elsa like up on a hill, like orchestrating all this. It was incredible. It's, it's, it's really, I mean, the snow and the cold are just unbelievable. It feels like we're living up north. My parents live in the Tulsa area, the Tulsa suburb of Bixby. And early this morning, it was like minus, it was like negative eight or something like that there which i lived in oklahoma for about six years i never saw anything especially sometimes the wind chill would take it below zero i'd never saw like true temperature below zero yeah and then the wind chill is taken to like an even lower level it's it's insane man uh but it's one of those things like so when i've gone outside or i you know i open the door to throw like a dirty diaper out the door or something. So (laughs) I get like a little feel of it. Yeah. It's not quite as cold as I expect because I think you get in your mind like, oh, dude, it's like negative 47 degrees. Like, like I'm just going to turn into an icicle as soon as I open the door. You know, you like condition, you watch these movies and you just like freeze immediately. It's not like that, but I mean, it's, it's legitimately really cold. It's wild. Absolutely wild. I remember Sunday you could see the snow that every time they took a outside the arena shot, like throughout the game, that there was more and more snow on the ground. Um, so you could tell it was getting pretty dicey there. Pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, just 
historic cold, right? Like as far as like stretch of stretch of cold, I, we're like so like Jim and Al right now. It's opening with like ten minutes of weather, but um, yeah, like that. I I've just been fascinated watching it from a distance. Yeah, it's it's unlike anything. You know, I've lived in Oklahoma my whole life, and I haven't seen anything like it. Yeah. I love going to the Thunder games. It's a way to get out of the house during COVID. Uh, but I had zero desire to go to the game <laughs> I, tonight. I, I do not blame you at all. Much that as is... I'm grateful for the ability to go, I know it's you know nobody gets to go, and so you know. But nah, I I, I watched Chris Fisher and Michael Cage tonight, and I was perfectly happy. <laughs> so Oklahoma City went down pretty big in the first half, and it got to a point where they were either going to come back and make it kind of interesting or they were going to lay down and this team just doesn't have that in them they came back and and made it a very interesting game they took the lead in the fourth quarter and it took it took a supernova from Damian Lillard in the last couple minutes to pull that game out they ended up winning by double digits which speaks to how hot he got there at the end against some phenomenal defense we can talk about that but 115-104, 115-104, the Blazers end up covering. Any number you saw today, they end up covering when they were losing by, I believe, three was the largest lead there in the fourth five. Oklahoma City. The Thunder got five. up by five. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about a 16-point turnaround in the last, like, three and a half. It was it, impressive. It, it was – okay, first of all, it was impressive that the Thunder came back from 24 down and take a five-point lead. Yeah, let's start 20. there. Let's start there. Where what What turned it in your eyes? Uh, to me, it was the late third quarter. Lou Dort kind of single-handedly took the team on his shoulders, and he made a couple of uh, layups. He had a steal on Anthony Simons that led to a fast-break dunk, post-rise dunk. Then he hits a three to follow it up. Uh, I mean, he he went on a tear. The Thunder went on an 11-0 run. Yeah. And, uh, excuse me, then he hits a three later on to take that lead. Uh, but they just started chipping away after that. And, you know, those – that breakfast club, that second and third string got those guys, they just play with so much heart and hustle and effort. They just will not lay down. They do not have it in them to quit or to give up. Uh, so the Thunder take a five-point lead. They have all the momentum after being down 24, and it looked like you know the tankers were going to be upset after this game, a game that the Blazers had in hand easily. And then Dame just took over. He was one of 10 from three with four minutes remaining and the Thunder up five. And Lou Dort was playing phenomenal defense. He was just draped all over him. And Dame hits a step back three with Dort's hand in his face. He hits another three, hits another three. The the defense was great. The offense was even better. I mean, it it's just the tip of the hat to, to Dame is all it is. I mean, you know, Dame time's a real thing. Uh, you can argue about whether or not those were bad shots, as Playoff P likes to call some of Dame's shots, but uh, they went in. So, you know, I think it's a little percentage shot, even for Dame. I mean, he's incredible, but when you're hitting step-back threes over a defensive player of the year candidate with the hand in your face, it's usually not going to go in. But with Dame, I guess, you know, you kind of throw the rules out the window. He's simply one of the best range shooters in the history of the league. Yeah. He really is. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. He just does it again and again. You would say it's a fluke, but he does it so consistently that there's just something to it. Yeah, the bad shot mantra kind of gets thrown out the window with with Lillard. He he hits him. So like 
<laughs> bad bad shots are the ones that don't go in. And right. uh, he consistently hits those shots. And not just hits those shots, but he gets better the closer you get to 0.00. Like, he is an amazing clutch player. Something about it, you know, it's game time for a reason. They They seem to improve. He seems to switch to a different gear that most don't have and most defenses can't account for. When it gets, you know, inside those three or four minutes, he was just on fire. He literally had one three. He finished with five threes. He had yeah. four in like a blink of an eye. What's funny is he went four for four in the last four minutes from three, and he still just ended up five of 14 from three, like league average from three on the night. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, I think it's a testament to both Damian Lillard and Lou Dort. It was kind of, you know, they're both elite at what they do. And I think that kind of played out on both. You saw both sides of that tonight. I don't think you could have played any better defense than what Lou Dort played on him. And here's the deal. Dame just improved his record versus Lou Dort to one and three on his career. So, you know, <laughs> say all that gonna... about Dame that you want, but the man has still uh, got a couple games to catch up before he even ties Lou Dort. Uh, uh, it wouldn't be you if you didn't if you didn't get that in there. So props to you. Thirty one points, ten assists for Lillard, and to your point, twenty five. It took twenty five shots to get those thirty one, and twelve of them came there in the last couple minutes on great defense from from Dort. There was one where uh, the double came from Maladon. He threw it to Mello and got the return pass, and Oklahoma City wasn't really ready for that but i mean he still hit a three that was at least five feet behind the line um just sick shooting there at the end really like when he gets warm like it's night night he is so 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 good um portland got 21 rebounds from from Cantor, and to be honest it felt like more than that yeah, I mean, we saw that in Oklahoma City. Cantor is a rebounding machine, and the Thunder are undersized as well, especially when Horford is is out. Uh, I mean, we all like Roby and Mascala, but but rebounding and banging down with bigs aren't really their strong suits. I mean, neither of them are really a true center anyways. Mm. Thunder don't really have a true backup five, and Horford, for all his – great qualities. I'm, I'm, I'm about to make the argument. I'm going to do a deep dive to, to see if the research backs me up, but I think that Horford's still a, a top 10 center in the league. Uh, but for all of his great attributes, rebounding is, is not his strong suit just cause I mean, he's six, nine also. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not maybe six ten on a good day. Uh, but the thunder undersized. It's funny because the thunder, for a long time were the best rebounding team in the league. Yeah. You know, now they just don't have the size to to compete with guys like Cantor, who's just a rebounding machine. Uh Oklahoma City finished with seven offensive rebounds. Cantor finished with seven offensive rebounds. Yeah. He had seven on the offensive end, 14 on the defensive end. He's he's an animal. He is such a skilled rebounder. And it is a skill. Like there is a, a lot of it has to do with effort. Um, but he's he's such an intelligent rebounder. He studies shooters and where they miss. He's a um, he's just very very good, um, and has been very good for Portland in in Nurkic's absence. Like they last last year, they struggled with uh, with Nurkic off the floor, and this year, I mean, they're seventeen and ten. They're they're just playing very well, and they're being they're doing it with three starters out. Like they're they're a very impressive team. 
and Cantor has a lot to do with that. Um, Oklahoma City got another night of six guys in double figures. Muscala, Roby, Diallo off the bench, all in double figures. Diallo was 17. You mentioned the second unit. Uh, those three guys there, Diallo, Roby, Muscala, all finished with uh, all finished on the positive side of plus minus. Um, Jack, Justin Jackson, just a minus one. Um, every, all the starters finished and finished uh, with on the minus side of that, which is understandable. With, with uh, they're out there with with Lillard, and they're out there with Lillard in the final few minutes, so that changes things quickly. But they got a really, really solid night from Lou Dort. Yeah, Lou was phenomenal tonight. We already talked about his defense, you know, even taking away the the four minutes that that Dame just flashed all those threes. Before that, I mean, he Lillard was struggling, and, you know, the few shots he did make, a lot of them were on switches where Dort wasn't on him or, you know, Dort was off the court. But Dort's offense was great tonight, too. He hit mm-hmm. three threes. He only went three of nine, which is fine. Uh, but one of them was a end of the uh, half or or quarter uh, half court heave, and there's a couple others that were just like end of the shot clock type shots. His real game shooting was really solid. He scored what I think twenty three points tonight mm-hmm. uh, on good efficiency. He got to the rim really well. When Lou can finish at the rim, to me that's kind of like the the final piece mm-hmm. for Lou. Uh, we talk so much about his shooting, but he gets to the rim so easily because he's quick, he's strong, he's faster than most guys. He can beat just about anybody off the dribble. He's got a quick first step. He's got a uh, a quick um, – his handle is quicker and, and smoother than you'd expect for his size. Mm-hmm. So he can get to the rim. The problem is he usually gets there with so much force and strength and speed that his layups will kind of bounce off the backboard too hard and he'll miss a lot of bunnies. Uh, but when he finishes at the rim like he did tonight, uh, that's when he can be a, a difference maker on the offensive end. I think he was tonight. Yeah, he did an awesome job. And and that, that run he made in the third quarter really, that was the, that was the tell-all that this is actually going to get uh, to be a competitive game. It's just a matter of time. The effort was, was so high and, and, you could see every Portland timeout, they just got more and more confident. Um, Shays once again up off the bench. He spent most of the fourth quarter uh, standing up. It was yeah. it was fun to watch. Uh, it is it they're they're a fun, in, uh, enthusiastic, contagious team. They are a very very fun team to watch night in and night out. For a team that's now what eleven and sixteen, they're quite a fun eleven and sixteen team. Yeah, I think it's the most competitive, fun, entertaining, easy to root for 14 seed of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, it's it's unbelievable. You you watch all these games and they're so competitive and everybody's so high on them, including me and you. Uh, and we just sing their praises. And then you look at the standings, you're like, oh, they're 14th in the West. That's weird because yeah. it feels like they're so much better than that. But it's a testament you know they they've been playing with without SGA and without George Hill. Uh, Al Horford is missing games. This was a team that was already bottomed out roster wise because of trades to try to rebuild. Uh, you know, and they're better than a lot of the teams in the East as well. And just most of the losses were these last second uh, variety. So you know, it's 
if if you're looking for the Thunder to lose games, this is the best way to do it. They're doing it in an entertaining, close, competitive way. Yeah, no question. I want to talk about Maladon and his first start. I believe this was his first start without Shea. I was wondering that too, and I was trying to remember if he had another one, and I couldn't remember him starting without Shea, which is big, you know, because it's basically taking on the starter's role with as a point guard. Right. So that's new for him. So it's kind of running the show with the starters. And honestly, I thought he did a pretty good job overall. I mean, you know, the numbers don't pop, but actually gameplay and seeing how he ran the offense and how he scored, I thought he did a solid job. The the number that pops for me is no turnovers. I was expecting there to be quite a few turnovers, at least early on. And he did a good job of – of protecting it. I mean, his, again, seven, seven points, two rebounds, three assists, one steal. It's not terrible, but it's not great either. Um, but he played 20, almost 28 minutes. I was honestly surprised to not see him down the stretch until the, until it was almost out of reach. Uh, he was at the scores table with, I think about three minutes left and they couldn't get him in. Um, but I was surprised to not see him in with, you know, five to six minutes left where they had Diallo and Dort as the backcourt for the those last few minutes i was i was surprised to see him out uh of the game in one sense but also maybe a little bit of a little bit of strategic uh subbing there and maybe not subbing there from from uh coach mark so uh we'll see if that if he gets another shot at it with um if if shay's gonna miss another game i'm sure we'll see maladone back uh, in that starting role and it was just good to see him back on the floor. He's a he's a good, uh, fun player to watch, and he's he's improving uh, each game. Yeah, and just like Shea, how we've talked so many times about how Shea deserves so many more assists than he actually has because he'll get guys shots and they're off of really nice passes and looks and finds, uh, but guys won't hit the shots. That happened to Maladon tonight as well. He had three assists. He could have easily had, even if if the guys hit half the shots that he opened up, six or seven assists tonight for Maladone. Yeah, Baisley had a rough shooting night again tonight. Four of 16 from the floor, one of seven from three. Like, that takes care. I mean, that those numbers right there would bump um, Maladone's assists up to where we'd be talking about how good of a, a distributing night he had. He, he really did move the ball around well and, and create good looks, especially in that third quarter. I believe he had three assists in a row. Um, and uh, one to Horford, one to... I want to say Dort, um, but yeah, he, he was solid. Um, and I, I really like what we're seeing from him on the defensive end. He's, he's really scrappy and he's very intelligent. His rotations are always pretty solid. And as, as is with this whole team, they, they defend well, they defend together and they're usually on a string when, when the ball starts moving around. So yeah, a pretty, Pretty solid game from Oklahoma City, despite the loss. Like the the this is a classic. The final score does not indicate whatsoever the what this fourth quarter looked like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, just overall, this Thunder team. Uh, I just continue to be impressed by what they're doing. Shorthanded, uh, what these second and third stringers are doing, what these young guys are doing. Castoffs, journeymen, uh, players given second or third chances. Just the the effort, the fight, and what Coach Dagnall, again, I can't say it enough, he's doing such an excellent job. And then you got to wonder, if Shea had been playing these last few games, how many of these close losses turn into wins? I don't know. 
and you know maybe maybe the thunder will continue to exercise that caution for as long as these games <laughs> are getting really really close no question and speaking of speaking of uh of of tanking um minnesota announced today that that they uh will be without d'angelo russell for four to six weeks as he's getting his knee scope that is a bummer for oklahoma city it's a big bummer for oklahoma city for two reasons one because i mean minnesota right now is a top three worst record in the league and now they just lost one of their former all-stars for four to six weeks this is a team that actually has no incentive to tank yeah they keep their pick if they're a top three bottom you know if they get a top three lottery pick but even they, if you finish with the worst record you only have a 50 50 chance they don't really have much incentive to tank and so it's gonna if if minnesota gets a top three or like a four or five pick and golden state gets a gets a higher pick than okc yet again when okc is trying to get a top pick it will be so incredibly frustrating to see golden state get another top pick if that happens i honestly just want them to finish in the top three because i don't think they're i don't trust them to take the right guy um and yeah. I think they're going to be. I think they're a team that would take Mobley over one of the other four, you know, blue chippers. And and so for for my for my take, I would rather see them in the top, you know, see them in the top three or four than than not. Well, I guess in the top three because that picks top three protected. I think they have great incentive to take. I don't think they want to give that. I don't think they want to let that pick go, especially if it's in the top, you know, four to six. That's a valuable pick to go to Golden State, um, and for for the guy that you traded for in D'Angelo Russell, for his injury to be one of the main reasons that that they, you know, get that pick. I would try and hang on to that pick. Oh, I agree. That's everything. true. That's true. It's just so tough when it's a fifty-fifty coin flip that you'll, you if you try to tank you might sure, not even sure get yeah that. there's always that chance there's always yeah. a chance that you that your your ping pong balls don't come up and and you fall that i mean that's that's the uh the torture of the uh current system that is the right. nba lottery um, and then you got a system where now it's a, a play-in so the top 10 teams and you still have cat you know carl anthony towns you want him to to be happy so he'll stay you know, even though he's got several years left on his contract, you want to keep him happy. Maybe they fight for a play-in. I just don't see that happening now. Although I will say, between Cat and Anthony Edwards and Rubio and Malik Beasley, they've still got some players to, now that Cat's back to possibly be competitive. Mm -hmm. But but I think it just comes down to you know a culture of winning versus a culture of not winning. And yeah that they Good just point. have not had an organization that's developed a culture of winning. So even though they have the talent to compete, I just don't know if they'll do it. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be Towns and, and Rubio driving driving them to wins. And whether whether they do it or not, we'll see. They do have a pretty they have a decent schedule as far as um as far as facing teams with you know, with le with lesser records from here on. So we'll see. Um Tomorrow they they're back at it. They're at Memphis. Um, do you think they'll have any trouble getting there? 
Yeah, so uh, Judge Radar, Ola, at OKC Night Court on Twitter, just announced that the Thunder and Blazers used Delta charter flights to travel the games. Both teams' flights, Portland's to New Orleans and OKC's to Memphis, have been canceled for tonight. Mm. So we'll see if they're actually able to get to Memphis to play tomorrow. They they may not end up playing. We'll see. Uh, they might have to. Because I'd love to see – you know, OKC back-to-back nights and getting to see possibly possibly Shea return versus Jaw. That'd be a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah, and Memphis played tonight. They they lost pretty big to New Orleans, real big actually. And uh, so yeah, we there would be two two teams on second night of a back-to-back. I wonder I wonder if Oklahoma City just rents a couple buses and takes that six-hour drive down I forty. I've uh, made well, that drive quite a few times. In this snow, though, that'd be like more like a ten-hour drive. That's very true. Very <laughs> true. Because <laughs> it's—I mean, it's—that's a storm that has really swept across the entire, uh, you know, Midwest. Uh, what Great Plains? I don't know. I don't want to. Fin- I'm trying to hit every uh, possible terminology <laughs> for that. I guess Memphis is in the south, but um, yeah. So we'll we'll see if that game is able to. To happen and we'll and is is there are you leaning one way or the other on Shea playing tomorrow? I don't think he will. Uh, Mark Dagnalt said yesterday that Shea is really close and that we'll see him soon. I can't imagine they would list him as out yesterday for tonight and then he's back tomorrow. I think tomorrow will be the last game he misses. I expect him to be back on Friday, would be my guess when the Thunder take on the Bucks. So, yeah. Oklahoma City plays tomorrow night. That would give Shea another two full days, two and a half days of rest before they go to Milwaukee on Friday. So, yeah, we'll see if he plays. Um, any other thoughts you had from tonight? No, just, uh, I mean, my overall thoughts are just another impressive performance, another impressive comeback, another perfect loss. Uh, if you're team tank, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the only thing is I do miss watching Shea play. We talked about that and it's so close to, uh, picking all-star selections and he's kind of been out of sight, out of mind. And I'm afraid yeah. that's going to hurt his bid. And he could have maybe picked up some wins against some, some big teams that would have helped his cause. So that's a bummer. That's the one bummer thing about Shea being out besides just not getting to see him play is that it could end up costing him a, an all-star spot because he's gonna. It's gonna be right on the edge of him making it or not. I would say of the of the many podcasts related to all-star teams and selections, I would say it's about a split fifty-fifty whether he's in or not right now um, between right. amongst the people that are talking about it. So it, first of all, it's encouraging to hear him in the conversations. It's yes. it's encouraging to hear people argue him over guys like Jamal Murray. Um, and other, you know, big uh, Western Conference mainstays. Like, it's very exciting because he is – He first of all, he's earned it. He's played to that level. Um, he's had a better season than Jamal Murray. He's had a better season than some of these other guys. I think you could even argue him over Devin Booker. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's very exciting to see him in the conversation. Um, and, but you're right. This, this stretch of him being out may um, – may have guys you know using a little bit of recency bias and, and looking elsewhere so yeah. we'll see if he gets back he's still got a little bit of time here to get a you know if he can get a couple games in 
might uh might do the trick but we'll be back uh on uh, we'll be back tomorrow pending a game uh for for the reaction to memphis oklahoma city last thing i wanted to say about tonight was isaiah roby's nebraska windbreaker was flames yeah yeah that was it it honestly just made me a yearn for the days of the OU Nebraska rivalry. I miss They're coming that. back. They're coming back. Oklahoma hosts Nebraska, right? I think it's week three or four yep. this year. Yep. I'm excited. It's my, Pumped it was my favorite, that. you know, growing up OU Nebraska was my favorite rivalry over OU Texas because of the mutual respect instead of the mutual hate. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that, that was a classic retro windbreaker. He was sporting. Absolutely. Was good, that was, it was sick. I, I saw it and said, I've got to mention that to yeah. brandon um yeah. all right uh brandon thank you very much for joining tonight and thunder fans we will talk to you hopefully tomorrow night everybody stay warm and stay safe 